to a new episode of In Check with Fintech, organized by PCN. My name is Rogier, and with me on today, uh, today on the show is George Dunning from Bud. George, welcome on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, likewise, great, great to have you. Um, yeah, so um, I mean, today we'll talk um, a bit more about um, open banking, obviously um, what it is that uh, you guys do, how you uh, see the markets kind of developing. Um, before we start with that, can you talk a bit more about uh, Bud um, from where you started? I mean, you co-founded the company five years ago. How did that come about? Um, as well as what is it that you do now? What is it that you focus on? Sure. So, um, yeah, as you say, the company got started about five years ago. Prior to that, I was working kind of as a software developer. Um, I, work, I worked through kind of in, in a number of different digital agencies, um, kind of shipping a lot of products, but not necessarily getting my teeth stuck into something, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, which I think we've seen a number of times with um, engineers that we've hired that, you know, they're looking, you know, often when they come from agencies, they're really looking to hone their skills and really kind of work on something for a dedicated period of time. As I said, normally you go into a startup rather than starting your own startup. Um, but, you know, uh, as, it, as it happened at the time, uh, my friend Ed, who's the other co-founder of my CEO, um, he was working at Salesforce at the time and he was um, he was getting in touch with me because firstly, he'd kind of been seeing this kind of a bit of explosion in the fintech sector, all these companies uh, coming about. Uh, but secondly, he'd also noticed in his own kind of life that he had one account in the UK, bank account, one bank account in um, the Republic of Ireland, but then he was using TransferWise to transfer money between those two accounts. Uh, and he saw an opportunity there. So he would call me and ask for advice on, okay, look, if you wanted to bring all those things into the same experience, what would that look like? If you wanted to introduce new products to a user, what would that look like? Um, and I thought he was just asking for general advice, but I actually now realized that he was kind of in some way uh, pitching me a little bit, but then he actually did come stay on my couch one weekend, which was fairly normal when he'd do that, when he'd come to visit London. Uh, and he actually brought a deck and did properly pitch me while we were in the pub one time, which was <laughs> odd, uh, but um, quite exciting. Um, as I say, I was at a point in my life where I, I, I was up for kind of a challenge. Me and Ed both didn't really have many responsibilities at the time being kind of, you know, mid twenties. Um, and we didn't feel we had much to lose. So we kind of cracked on. Um, and then from there, it's kind of, it's evolved and it's, you know, our focuses have updated a couple of times. We've kind of, uh, you know, learned, you know, learn about trends in the market, learn much more about kind of the kind of financial industry over the years. But I think being coming in fresh faced, uh, you know, having not worked in finance before actually did us a lot more favors than we realized where we were really trying to approach things from a very kind of consumer friendly point of view, uh, really, you know, trying to break things down where what we saw when we were looking at a lot of the products in the market was a lot of things were actually positioned for financial products for financial people. And, you know, 90% of the people out there are not financial people. And we always saw that as a bit of an opportunity because a lot of the products and services out there, you know, the fintechs generate are super relevant for the average person on the street. Um, but if, uh, you know, but if the average person doesn't understand them, then they're not going to gain that benefit. So, you know, what we, what we always kind of 
looked at is how do we how do we make the complex part of kind of people's financial lives simple how do we introduce them to the right products and services or help them understand what their finances are doing to be able to lead them to the next stages of their financial life and as i say that's taken on many guises over the years but um that kind of mantra around you know really giving people insight into their finances utilizing their transactional data to really work for them and introduce them to new services or help them adopt new services in a kind of smarter and easier way has kind of always always been at the core of what we do interesting so the idea came about in the pub to kind of make finance simple and understandable for everyone and on the back of transactional data you build services and products around that what kind of services and products have you built thus far over the last five years um so we have kind of four main parts to our platform now uh data ingestion so that's traditionally us connecting to open banking apis um we I mean we try and do this in kind of in the best way possible so we really pride ourselves on the speed of our connections to the uh, bank apis um, because we actually cut our teeth and in scraping in the early days uh, we've always maintained a really high level of security because we originally created a scraping suite ourselves because we weren't satisfied with what we saw in the market and then as we've transitioned over to open banking apis that mantra has stayed the same so you know we have user level encryption uh, across the platform and either the encryption keys are held by the end consumer as they are on our um, app or they are held by the end client that is uh, utilizing our APIs. Um, and so we've always kept a really high quality level of um, you know, API speed, but also security when we're handling the transactional data that we're pulling through. Second part of the platform um, is the intelligence piece. So as understanding that transactional data that we're pulling through, um, categorizing it, identifying the merchants within it, um, identifying the regularity of the payments, um, and we really pride ourselves on the quality of uh, those intelligence services and those granular level intelligence services, because we believe if you don't get those right, you don't have a solid foundation to work off of to get um, some more of the exciting tools. So then on top of them, we've got things like our signal products, uh, where we are looking at kind of behaviors across the transactional data and pulling out uh, what we see as significant um, insights. Things like the fact that your utility bill is going up um, month on month, which can signify that, that you're on a standard variable tariff. And if you are in the UK, you're on a bad deal and you should look at getting that changed. Um, or that maybe your salary hasn't come in on time this month or is dipped. Um, and how is that going to impact you know, some of the regular outgoings that you have? And then the third part is our actions piece. So this is us integrating other um, kind of third party APIs to create kind of value add journeys for the consumer um, uh, so that they can take a, a real actions to enhance their financial well-being directly. So uh, part of that signal product that I just spoke to the, um, you know, uh, identifying a utility bill going up month on month. In the actions part, we connect to the Go Compare API and um, allow you to do a utility switch all in one, one seamless journey. Uh, or similarly, uh, our rent recognition piece. So identifying your rent payments within your transactional data, utilizing the regular payments API and the categorization API, um, and then building up a rental profile of uh, yourself and then submitting that to Equifax or Experian uh, to be able to enhance your credit history and credit score. And then the final part of the platform is our payments 
uh, payments piece. So where we hook into the PISP, um, a open banking APIs to be able to action uh, account transfers. Um, so for this, this really nicely rounds off our platform. Uh, and the kind of use case I give is uh, we're able to pull through your transactional data utilizing our uh, data ingestion uh, part of the platform identify in your transactional data that you have some dormant cash in sitting in your current account and you're coming up to uh, your uh, salary being paid um, and su suggesting to you that um, this might be better suited or might be better used in a high interest savings or investment account and then utilizing the PISP APIs to be able to actually action a transfer from that current account into uh, a savings or investment account. There's a data ingestion piece, there's the intelligence piece, there's the action piece, and there's a payments piece, all centered by the sounds of things around kind of that offering the best consumer experience. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So we've always had kind of a consumer experience at the, at the heart of what we do. Um, and, you know, we want to really, we want to solve end consumer problems and, you know, really look to, you know, in one guise or another, uh, enhance the financial well-being of the end customer. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Over the past five years, and I guess also maybe in general regarding open banking, what has driven um, these kind of developments? Is it regulation? Is it the consumer? Is it something else? I think, I think regulation has definitely been probably the core driver in the UK. Uh, I think the FCA have done kind of a fantastic job. And I think the OBIE have done a really great job of like setting the standards out to the banks and getting um, the UX, um, you know, standards set out really well, um, which has been kind of critical because I think you've seen in other areas where they've not been set out as rigorously that um, user experience falls down a little bit. The banks aren't um, necessarily kind of mandated in such a way that will kind of enforce them to improve it. And from that, the, you know, uh, consumers expect a really, really great experience these days. Um, and they're not going to accept less, really. Um, and so having that as the foundation has proved really beneficial in the UK. Now, that being said, what what we're seeing now is that it should, it's starting to be consumer driven in the sense of now that we can give a great user experience, once we bring in these um uh, really great kind of value exchange journeys, the consumer will start to adopt it. I think you had a few people in the first year or so of open banking kind of throw up their hands and go, well, this is just a bubble because there's not been the adoption that uh, people have been expecting. But I think it's just a maturing market. And I think now, you know, you've seen open banking usage skyrocket in 2020. And I think that's because people are starting to realize that you have to give the user something in exchange for them connecting to their bank. Uh, and if you do, they will. So examples of this are, you know, if you're doing a loan application, um, do you want to cut the time it will take to do this in half by utilizing open banking? Or do you want to give more accurate data um, rather than kind of guessing 
around it um, to the kind of to the lender by connecting your bank account? Or do you want to kind of verify who you are by connecting your bank account rather than uploading a kind of PDF statement from your bank? And all these things just to save the user time and kind of uh, be able to kind of expedite the uh, the journeys that they're used to in finance. Um, I think you're seeing there the kind of opportunities where it comes where open banking comes in that as well you know you've got the more traditional uses of it like um pfm applications um and you know having having your transactional data tell you more uh, tell you more than it was before and you you know you got you've got the likes of kind of the monzos starlings the revoluts to kind of thank for that for the fact that they've kind of really raised the bar as far as what's expected as far as um user experience when it comes to banking um but I think open banking is really an enabler to allow um, all the different uh, institutions or non-financial institutions out there that want to use kind of transactional data that can kind of have those experiences. And, I, and maybe it's also a way for banks to kind of keep that interaction with the consumer because otherwise they lose it to maybe uh, competitors or much smaller companies if you don't offer these kind of services. Like the challenger banks will offer that. The traditional banks um, a couple of years ago, not yet, now more and more luckily. Um, isn't that also a reason because then they keep that interaction with the with the consumer? Yeah, I think and I think that's exactly kind of what the regulator was intending to some respect, which is like, you know, make sure that everybody is staying competitive. Um, and I think open bank is definitely being a component of that and a driver of that, which is, well, look, if I can see my bank account from anywhere, then I'm going to go with the best experience that will give me that. And so if and the banks realize that and the, but they also also are now kind of seeing opportunities in it where it's like okay can we start to bring some of these features and functionality that we see elsewhere into our own experiences and start to you know really enhance uh, our consumer experiences which again you know uh improves the competition in the market but also at the end of the day you're getting you know millions of people start to get better financial tools and applications than they were before which again is fantastic do you see that adoption of open banking by both consumers, but also by the by the banks, financial institutions, differ much across the world? Maybe even across Europe, UK. Um, so, I think there's a couple of things there. I think you know there's definitely been differences between like the likes of uh, like the UK and the US, where the US has been very much market driven. Uh, the UK has been quite regulatory driven. I think I think Europe is being more regulatory driven. I think what open banking and kind of like PSD2 has done has kind of opened up a lot of these conversations and got a lot of people talking about the opportunities that are available um, via exploring these types of technology. What we've always been quite uh, curious about and interested in kind of really uh, look to uh, focus down on is, you know, uh, is not just kind of the data addressing the open banking uh, piece but like the intelligence piece uh, and i think that's becoming kind of one of the biggest opportunities that there is in the market where you know we work off not just transactional data that we pull via open banking apis but banks sending us that transactional data directly or third party uh, you know fintech companies that have access to transactional data that want kind of uh, better user experiences and better intelligence services sending us it directly and i think you're seeing that drive across all the different markets where people are going, okay, we want to start learning more from our transactional data. And that's where we're seeing kind of the biggest pickup. And although open banking isn't entirely necessary for that, as I say, you can work directly with somebody to um, do that. It has been a driver of it and it has kind of opened people's eyes, eyes to that possibility. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Can open banking also be a drive for something else? What I'm trying to say is I read a uh, report, the open banking report the other day, and it talks about financial inclusion, right? So how open finance or open banking can create a more inclusive sector and cause kind of a social, socioeconomic uplift. Um, do you feel that that could be a role as well of open banking or is a role maybe of open banking slash open finance? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to kind of what we'd originally um, kind of set out to do, which was if you can kind of pull if you can pull through somebody's transactional data you know from where from any kind of application understand who they are as a customer you can really offer them things and like products and services that are truly relevant to them and can actually uh, help them build kind of financial momentum so rather than just getting kind of flat denied on a credit application because a credit bureau um or credit referencing agency uh, has kind of deemed you unfit for it, can that company now look at the transactional data and go, actually, we think for kind of a smaller loan, this person is perfectly relevant. Um, so being able to kind of actually give them opportunity where they didn't have it previously. Um, also, it opens up, if, if, people, if you can enhance people's financial literacy by giving them a better understanding of what their transactional data are doing, you can engage them more in financial products that they felt kind of were blocked off to them previously. So you can start to kind of, uh get people that weren't interested in finance before really interested in it and again as i say that was really what we kind of set out to do which is introduce these really helpful kind of financial products uh uh that are out there to people that weren't necessarily engaged with them previously and where where we kind of came to was you have to really start out with their primary uh their primary financial product which is you know your regular banking app uh, to engage that person, to really understand that person. And then from there, you can look to go, okay, well, these these products are relevant to you. Or if you're going straight to that product already, can you make it more relevant to you? Can you can you give them a better, a more contextual offer? Or can you give them a more relevant rate, whether it's a loan or investment rate, whatever have you? Can you utilize that transactional data for, to have people's finances start working for them rather than people having to do all the legwork? Because really, that's what scares people off finances. They're like, I know I need to get involved in it. I know I need to get more on top of my finances, but I just don't have the mental energy. And to be honest, it scares me. And so what, what we believe is that actually open banking is an enabler to be able to kind of get over those, those consumer hurdles of kind of anxiety and apathy around their finances. Yeah. I was going to say maybe even beyond that, you kind of, offer a, uh, a stress relief, I think, for many consumers because they get more insights in their finances. There's stuff in the background that is being taken care of, like, for example, uh, a utility bill uh, where you can see, all right, okay, via Go Compare, there's actually another utility provider, which is much cheaper. Those are things that people generally don't deal with. And now they get all that insight. I think it's a stress relief as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, you know, that's the thing, like our kind of... Um, merchant subscription service is kind of an easy one like a really easy one there which we offer out to kind of uh banks uh and kind of uh the clients that we work with where it's okay you quickly got a breakdown of like these are all your kind of regular outgoings and these are the people that you pay 
um, subscriptions to on a monthly basis. Were you aware of that? Because uh, and like I know that I've seen so many times where you kind of present that information to people, and they're like, "Oh, there's a gym membership that I've been paying for the last six yeah. months that I never, I, I, I thought I'd cancelled," um, or there's a um, like an online service that I signed up for that I, 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 I completely forgot about. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you know relieving that stress and like relieving that kind of barrier as to like finance is a scary thing i think is is a huge part of that and then as i say enhancing a person's financial literacy i think is the first step then you kind of build into some of the other services that we offer as i say like you know utility switching or um you know enhancing your credit score which you know people think far too late about and so trying to make it easily engaging um and straightforward to do is as i say making the kind of complex simple is the real challenge around that um but i think uh, you know everything that we've spoken to already the open banking apis and um you know the way the market's going i think has that made that possible and it actually presents massive opportunity to create really powerful services for the end consumer yeah exactly yeah a lot of people don't want to think about this so if you can take a lot of this stuff away uh, like, for example, need a gym membership that they've forgotten about by uh, giving them a trigger through Signal. Um, yeah, that's a great way of taking that uh, stress away. Um, clients that you that you serve at the moment. So, George, you talk about um, your clients. Are these mainly merchants? Are these mainly banks? Do you also go directly to the consumer or who are you targeting? So, our kind of traditional uh, and primary clients are banks, first and foremost. So, um you know, the one we are, we talk the most about is HSBC and First Direct. Uh, we've had a kind of a long and uh, very good relationship with them, serving them kind of different uh, apps in the past, but uh, really focusing on our kind of aggregation and intelligence services for now and integrating that into their um, main banking applications. Um, but we work with a large kind of cross sector of companies, whether they're kind of uh, you know, mid-tier financial tech companies with millions of customers uh, looking to kind of utilize our aggregation services or intelligence services or payment services. We also work with some smaller kind of SMEs that are, you know, uh, just starting out and getting their hands on, um, you know, aggregation technology because, again, they see the, they see the opportunity in it. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, we set up to work with large institutions. And I think, all the work that we did in the early days um, around that and all the kind of principles that we set out uh, has meant that we can kind of offer really high quality services, not just to banks, but to, um, you know, uh, more tech focused companies and smaller, smaller businesses that, you know, want to use this, uh, want to use this technology, but also don't want to compromise on quality. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. What made you go in with, with, with an HSBC, HSBC, for example? Uh, it's not the least of banks. How did that come about that you set up that partnership with them? I think that's, that's probably very exciting, no? Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. And we've worked with a lot of different banks over the years. Um, so we're invested in by HSBC, Goldman Sachs, uh, ANZ, Banco Sabadell and Investec. Um, Banco Sabadell and Investec were the people that led our seed round. So we've always had a background of kind of partnering closely with um you know large banks um and then from there one of the kind of one of the key points uh at bud was we went through uh accenture's innovation lab and from there we were introduced to a number of banks uh and actually got a few different uh projects spun up off the back of it uh but the one that kind of was the most fruitful was the project that we did with uh hsbc and first direct 
where we launched um, Arthur by First Direct through 2018 with them. And we offered all the different services within our platform, but also offered kind of competitive products uh, in a First Direct branded app, uh, which was fantastic and a real success. And from there, we've just kind of evolved and built the relationship further and further. So um, yeah, it's it's um, it's been a really uh, a really great kind of relationship that we've had there. But as I say, we've we've always kind of positioned ourselves to work with those sorts of clients uh, because ultimately um, we do see our technology you know, being um, extremely relevant if served through the um, primary banking app, because, you know, we want to, we want to enhance people's financial well-being. Um, we're not necessarily looking to completely change their, you know, day-to-day -day behaviors. And most people's day-to-day behavior is I check in with my main banking app um, and I'm not necessarily looking to move away from it. So if we can enhance that experience and start to, you know, introduce people to, um, you know, uh, new information and new insights around the transactional data and new products and services where you know you're much more likely to have a much higher reach as a business it's very exciting what's next for you guys where do you i guess twofold this question where do you see open banking go in the next couple of years and where do you see but go in the next couple of years maybe it's the same i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i think they'll be they'll be pretty well linked but not necessarily kind of a one-to-one -one match um but so open banking I think you'll just see it evolve further and further. I think there's a lot of products and services that aren't necessarily fully available um, that the banks offer that you could connect to via open banking. And the more and more that we can build that out, the more opportunities that it presents and the more ideas that, you know, companies like ours, but other fantastic kind of fintechs out there will, will come up with and discover. Um, uh, you know, you've got the likes of, uh, you know, things you consider under open finance. So, uh, APIs from investment providers, APIs from pension providers. If you can't start to combine them into experiences, I think you're giving a lot more power back to the user. So I think that's that's what you'll start see picking up over the next couple of years. Um, and it's extremely exciting. Uh, where Bud's going to go, I, obviously we've had great success in the UK and we, we, we want to maintain a good amount of focus on that, uh, really build out the relationships that we have uh, over this year and last. Um, and deliver kind of quality services to the market, but also look at kind of uh, opportunities in new markets um, where we're seeing kind of interesting trends. There's obviously many things going on in Europe. PSD2s, um, you know, are really kind of still still building out there and uh, becoming more and more relevant. So Europe's extremely interesting to us. Uh, we see a lot of opportunity as well in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we, you know, with them following closely behind um, what's happening here in Europe. Uh, around open banking so um yeah we see a lot of opportunities there we obviously um you know as far as you know what we see in buds um and kind of what we what we're looking to do over the next few years personally i'll i'll, I'll be very proud of some of the deliveries that we've got going on over the next 12 months uh, if i can kind of look at uh, a um you know, a, a large financial app and see it evolve significantly off the back of our technology and start to uh, really give higher quality um, services to end customers you know that'll be a very proud moment for us and the for myself and and all of the team at bud and you know trying to kind of rinse and repeat that in the uk but in new markets i think will be the next challenge but one that we're you know very well set up for and uh, really excited to take on Right, really cool. If people want to know more about you guys or want to kind of 
keep following you on, on what the developments are in the next couple of years? Where can they find, uh, find you guys? Yeah, so um, if you go to thisisbud.com, uh, that should have all the information uh, of everything I've basically spoken to. We're really active on LinkedIn. Um, myself and George Dunning kind of look me up, but also the Bud uh, LinkedIn page and uh, my co-founder, Ed. Uh, you know, we both, uh, we're both fairly active there. Um, but yeah, if you go to thisisbud.com, you should be able to find all the information. We, you can also download our app from the app store, which is just called Bud. Uh, if you want to kind of check that out and see some of the experiences and products that we have firsthand. Great. Cool. Well, thanks George for being on the show. Great to have you. Thank you very much. Really real pleasure being here. Thanks everyone uh, for listening and uh, hope to hear you next time. If you've um, not done, done so already, don't forget to uh, follow us on Spotify or on Apple iTunes um, and um, see you next time. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner Free Your Girl who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free Your Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you. Thank you.